Okay, everybody has a handout. Let's go ahead and turn to Hosea chapter 8. And we'll get into Hosea chapter 8. And I, and I know, I hope, even though we're going through a book that's, that's kind of a downer, um, this week I started my, on my daily Bible reading on Monday, I started in Leviticus chapter 10. And that's where Nadab and Abihu go into the temple and offer strange fire, the, the two sons of, of Aaron, and, and God just incinerated them. Because they disobeyed what he said. And so I got done with that. And I'm like, then I went back to Hosea to read chapter 8 just to get ready for uh, today. And I'm like, it just went from bad to worse. Well, And the next day I thought, oh, this will be better. So in Leviticus it talks about, okay, what do you do if you have leprosy? And I'm like, oh, that's really uplifting. <laughs> and back to Hosea. And then the next day it was like, what, what happens when you, you know a man or a woman has issues, you know, coming out of their body physically and I'm like this just keeps getting better and better and, and I've been kind of curious like now don't be depressed this week and, and, and especially we're having a party on Saturday you can't be you can't be a downer but when you look around our lives when you look at what sin has done to this world it's a downer and did you think well why in the world did the Lord want me to read this this week right <laughs> But, right, what is the Lord trying to teach? I mean, this world is nothing but death and heartache. It really is. There's nothing good in this world except for what Christ has done for us. So that's the silver lining. That without Christ, mankind is doomed. He is doomed to failure. It's doomed to death and hell. Basically, that's it. But with Christ... We have life, and we have eternal life, and we have everything to look forward to. And so, uh, keep that in mind as we go to Hosea chapter 8. And today, uh, since you're all there, we're going to read verse 1, because that's as far as we're going to get. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm to, turning into a Brian or Jeff. We're only going to get through one verse today. I wanted to get through the whole chapter, but I looked at this and I'm like, this isn't going to happen. So Hosea chapter 8, and let's read verse 1. It says, Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. So we're, that's as far as we're going to get. So if you have your hand out there in front of you, I've titled this message, basically there's two points to this message. Destruction is coming, and the reason for the destruction. God's book is very specific. He tells us everything we need to know. He tells us we're sinners, He tells us we're going to be judged, but He also tells us how to get out of that sin. And it's through him, and it's through sacrifice. If you read the book of Leviticus, the theme of the book of Leviticus is that you come to God through sacrifice. All those old sacrifices in the Old Testament, all those lambs that was brought before the the temple and the tabernacle, all those goats, all those sacrifices, was for a picture that you have to come through God through sacrifice because we have sin in our life. And the total sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, the only sacrifice that's going to make a difference is Jesus Christ. His blood 
sacrifice is the payment for our sins. That's it. And all through the the tragedy of the Old Testament is all through those sacrifices. And then I would imagine there was thousands, maybe even millions of sacrifices done. And yet, when Christ was here, the Jewish people did not see that he was the fulfillment of all those sacrifices. So, destruction is coming. Uh, uh, Letter A says, Blow the trumpet, he is coming. That's what we just read. Set the trumpet to thy mouth, he shall come. Okay? And it says, and he shall come as what? An eagle. All right. So we know an eagle is, is a symbol, right? It's kind of a symbol for the United States. It's also a symbol for Mexico. And, but it's also a, a symbol for things in the Bible. And so we're going to look at that. There are three prophetical applications for the he. Because when I start reading through the Bible, I have to stop right there and I go, okay, so who's the he? Who is the he is talking about in verse 1? He shall come as an eagle. So who is that? But there are three prophetical applications to that person, the he. And the first one is to the Assyrian king. So king goes in your blank. So turn over in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 5. And we're going to try to pinpoint who this Assyrian king is. Well, Hosea is the book we're in, but we just went to Isaiah chapter 10. So Isaiah 10, we're going to start in verse 5. Isaiah 10.5 says, O Assyrian. You want to know how I know it's the Assyrian? That's what it says. Okay. So pay attention to the words of the Bible. Now again, last night I kept saying that, didn't I? Pay attention to the words. The words are important. O Assyrian. And let me stop because I'm already on a rant. It's not... You know, you'll have people and they'll say, well, the Bible... Uh, means this in this verse. This verse means this. Forget that. Forget what it means because you can make it mean whatever you want it to mean. What does the verse say? Okay? So always keep that in your mind. Verse 5 says, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation. Who's going to send him? God will. He goes, I will send the Assyrian against an hypocritical nation. Now, who do you think that hypocritical nation is? Israel. It's, it's Israel. And here it's specifically the northern kingdom. And against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. So, God himself is going to send the Assyrians against the northern kingdom of Israel to take them captive. And you're like, wait a minute. God is using another nation to judge his people. Okay? 
Verse 7 says, Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. Now we're talking about the Assyrian here. Verse 8, For he saith, Are not my princes altogether kings? Is not Calno as Karchemoth? Is not Hamath as Arthpad? Is not Samaria as Damascus, as my hand hath found the kingdoms of the idols, and whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem and of Samaria. So actually he's talking about both kingdoms. And I said, uh, verse 12, right? Shall I not, as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, do to, so do to Jerusalem and her idols? Wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. Okay, So basically the Lord's going to use this king of Assyria to come in for judgment against the northern kingdom, but yet here it keeps tying it back and forth to Jerusalem also. Because we know in the Bible that about 120 years after the northern kingdom falls into captivity, Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah falls into captivity. And so we're dealing basically with the king of Assyria. Okay, so so who is that king? You're asking good questions today, right? Who asked that question? One of you did, right? Okay, turn over to your book, the First Chronicles. First Chronicles, right after Kings. First Chronicles, chapter 5, and verse 26. And we'll nail this down a little bit farther. First Chronicles 5.26 says, And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pool, king of where? Assyria, and the spirit of Tilgath Pilsner, king of Assyria. Apparently there was two kings there. Not sure if one is father and son. I don't know if there are two kings that were kind of directly related or, or one went right behind the other one. And he carried them away, even the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he brought them to Hala and Habor, and Hera, and to the river Gozen unto this day. So right there, the Lord shows us in Chronicles that God uses these two kings of Assyria to carry away the northern kingdom. So they are Assyrian. Okay, keep remember that. We'll come back and to go to that. But on, on your handout, the second prophetical application is to the Babylonian king. Who do you guys think the Babylonian king is? He's a little more well-known than the first two guys from Assyria. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Now, he is the king of, of Babylon, correct? And so, let's turn over to the book of Ezekiel, and we'll see if we can kneel him down specifically also. Ezekiel chapter 17 that's in your handout. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. 
And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, put forth a riddle, and speak a parable unto the house of Israel. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, a great eagle. Ooh, isn't that one of those connections that we saw back in Hosea? He says, He shall come as an eagle. It says, A great eagle with great wings, long-winged, full of feathers, which had diverse colors, came into Lebanon. He took the highest branch of the, of the cedar, and he cropped off the top of his young twigs and carried it into a land of traffic. He set it in the city of merchants. Ooh, pay attention to the words. That's a tribulation passage. Uh, verse 5, And he took also the seed of the land, and he planted it in a fruitful field. He placed it by great waters, and he set it as a willow tree. And it grew and became a spreading vine of low stature, whose branches turned toward him, and the roots thereof were under him. So it became a vine, and brought forth branches, and shot forth sprigs. There was also another great eagle. we got two eagles here. With great wings and many feathers, and behold, this vine did bend her roots toward him, and shot forth her branches toward him, that he might water it by the furrows of her plantation. It was planted in a good soil by great waters, that it might bring forth branches, and that it might bear fruit, and that it might be a goodly vine. Say thou, thus saith the Lord God, shall it prosper? Shall he not pull up the roots thereof, and cut off the fruit thereof, that it wither? It shall wither in all the leaves of her spring, even without great power, or of many people to pluck it up by the roots thereof. Yea, behold, being planted, shall it prosper? Shall it not utter wither, utterly wither? When the east wind toucheth it, it shall wither in the furrows where it grow. Let's, let's read just a little farther, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Say now to the rebellious house... Know ye not what these things mean? Tell them, Behold, the king of Babylon is come to Jerusalem, and hath taken the king thereof, and the princes thereof, and led them with him to Babylon. So we've got a passage here, we've got a parable basically, it talks about the captivity of the southern tribes of Judah, carried away to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So, just to go a little farther, let's go back to the book of Jeremiah, verse 50 and 17. Chapter 50. Chapter 50 and verse 17. So, Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, hath broken his bones. So when you read about these two captivities, they're always connected. Because you'll be reading about uh, the Assyrians, and then, and then somehow they're connected to Babylon. And you'll be reading about Jerusalem, and somehow it's connected with with the uh, Assyrians. And so they're both connected. Okay? And so um, a lot of times you'll see them kind of interchange. You'll see, you'll see them talk about, or you'll see both of them connected. You'll see the southern tribes and the northern tribes somehow both connected to Nebuchadnezzar and somehow both connected to the king of Assyria. 
And yet we know that in history, the Babylonians defeated the Assyrians. And so they're kind of a, a connected group. Okay, So that's the first two. The second prophetic application is to, or the third application is to the Antichrist. So that's what goes into your, your blank. So the he in Hosea is connected again to the Antichrist, which is coming up. So the Syrian was getting ready to happen. The the Babylonian king was about a hundred years off, and yet the Antichrist is how far off is he? We hope not real far, but I mean it's coming quick. Okay. So Revelation twelve one through four is going to you know kind of just give an introduction to the Antichrist and and really who is. Antichrist. Who's back in the Antichrist? The devil. Satan himself. Okay? So, we'll look at a few... Per- I, I did not know starting out with we were going to get into all this prophecy. But the he there... Again, pay attention to the words. is a big deal. Revelation chapter 12 and let's read 1 through 4. Here is great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. Now who's that dragon? Satan. Satan is the great red dragon. What do you suppose red represents in the Bible? Well, blood in general. Because everywhere Satan goes, he destroys. He is So these guys, the Assyrian, the Babylonian king, they are a, a picture of Satan. They are a picture of the Antichrist. They're a type. Let's put it that way. Where did I stop? Verse 3? No, verse, verse uh, yeah. The great red dragon, Satan, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay, so all of these guys, the Assyrian king, the Babylonian king, are types of the Antichrist, which is a type of Satan himself. Okay, they're all connected with Satan. They understand that the Antichrist will be an Assyrian. So when the Antichrist shows up, he will have an Assyrian bloodline in him. He will also be connected to Babylon. So if you really want to study the end times, go back and read these minor prophets like the book of Hosea, like the book of Jeremiah. Uh, all those prophetical books because you'll get the clues to unlock who these people are and what they're like. That is a picture of all three of these. Okay. Yes. So it has three, there's three applications. One is to the, the king of Assyria. One is to the king of Babylon, and the the last one is to the Antichrist. Because they'll all have the same characteristics. And they will all come to, get this, 
What are they coming to do for Israel? Have a party? Destroy. No, they're coming to destroy Israel. So this last thing that I just read in, in chapter 12, we know that the red dragon is Satan. Who's the woman in this passage? Israel. It's Israel. Many churches today teach it's the church. It's not the church. It's Israel. See, it's the same thing. God is going to use each one of these to perform judgment on His people because they have been disobeying Him. He sends the Assyrians to the Israel, the ten northern tribes, because they are total idolatry. They are not following Him. And God says, I've sent you prophets. I've, you've give, I've given you my word. You guys aren't listening. So I'm going to have to spank you now. And that spank was a pretty hard spank. Carry you away captive to a different land. That happened, you'd think Judah would straighten up, wouldn't you? Judah doesn't. A hundred years, hundred plus years later, they go through the same spill. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in and spanks them. Well, guess what? The Jews still haven't learned. And when the church is raptured out, it goes right back to the nation of Israel. And they still haven't learned. So God's going to bring the Antichrist in to spank them again. And that'll be the last time because they'll finally come to their senses. Well, part of them will through the book of tribulation. So, you have the Antichrist of the Assyrian. He's going to be connected to Babylon. And it's really mystery Babylon. And he's also going to be connected to a statue that looks like a beast. And I had to go back and redo some things on my lesson this morning. Because now, uh, let's go. Let's, let's look at this. Let's go to Daniel. Anybody in here like the study prophecy? It's kind of interesting, right? And you always learn, just when you think you've got it nailed, you don't. There's always you know, something else there. So let's go back to Daniel 7. Probably nothing that you guys haven't already heard. Daniel chapter 7, we're going to read 1 through 8. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, interesting, we're in the Babylonian captivity, God is going to give them some instructions. Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream, and he told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion. Uh, so he's using comparison again. We studied that a week or two ago, right? Was like a lion. Okay. And had eagle's wings. Hold on to those th- that, that thought. We'll come to that in a minute. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, Thus saith it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. I keep seeing animals that are kind of weird, and they all have what so far? Wings. Wings. So like a statue that they built in New York? Oh, you're ahead of me. You're, hang on. 
and uh, four heads and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night vision to behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the other beasts that was before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, Antichrist, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. So I'm going to stop right there, and uh, turn over to the book of Revelation chapter 12. And we were already there, and I'm I'm just trying to get you guys primed and pumped. To, to what's going on here. Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to read the whole chapter. Okay? So bear with me. Revelation chapter 12, 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, and we know that's Satan, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now see, that can't be the church, because the church is not going to produce a man-child that's going to rule all the nations. And her child was caught up into God into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred threescore days. Again, all prophecy, all tribulation. We're talking about the nation of Israel. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And stop for just a second. Do you realize that Satan is standing before God, revealing to him everything that we do wrong? Man, what a snitch. I mean, Wow. This guy is an enemy. Satan is an enemy. And we have people all the time that talk about, oh, Satan is, you know, he, he, number one, he's just a made-up person. Or is it somebody that, you know, I can, I, I, I'll just, you know, I'll just smack him around. I'll just, you know, he's, no, he's a nobody. This Satan guy is bad news. He will devour us. Okay? He accuses us. He is an enemy. I mean, do not miss that. It's like in the movie The Hunger Games. Anybody ever watch those that movie? Okay. There's in that movie they tell Katniss, remember who the real enemy is here, because they're in a they're in a battle. And it's not the people she's battling, it's the person behind the people. Same way here. 
Remember who our enemy is. We do not fight against principalities and powers and people, do we? We fight against, or we do fight against principalities and powers. It's not physical that we're fighting against. It's the spiritual that we're fighting against. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's how they overcame Satan. And by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore, who's the they there? Oh, you want to study? I'll give you some homework. Go back and look at that. Who's the they there in verse uh, uh, 11? I'll give you a hint. It's the Jews. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having a great wrath, because he knoweth that his time is but a short time. I'll throw another little thing in with the, with the movie The Hunger Games. At the end of that movie, when snow knows he's defeated, he tells the people, I'm going to bring all the outside of, of the city in towards me, and we're going to make them pay with blood all the way here. He knows he's defeated, but yet he wants to kill as many of the people as he can. Same thing Satan does. He knows he's defeated. That he hates us so much that he's going to kill as many of us, bring as many of us down as possible before his destruction. Yeah, because he wants us to have the same fate that he has. He hates us because God loves us. And he wants us murdered. He will murder. He will, he will try to kill us. He will try to kill mankind. Let's put it that way. For spite. He had his chance. For spite. That's how much he hates us. He's like... Uh, uh, Tasmanian devil. There really is an animal called the Tasmanian devil. You know, it's not just in Road uh, Bugs Bunny Hour. I mean, there really is a Tasmanian devil. Does anybody, Mark? Do you know about it? Yeah. You know where it lives? Tasmania. Tasmania. Okay, Tasmania is a little island off of Australia. And this Tasmanian devil is kind of like a wolverine, kind of a small animal. And the animal, the farmers hate him. Chicken house and kill them all. If you had 500 chickens, he'd kill them all. He'd eat one and kill the rest. That's why they hate this Tasmanian devil. I mean, he's just, he's bloodthirsty. I think there's probably, I think uh, a weasel's kind of like that too, and and some other animals. But a Tasmanian devil, is, he, he'll kill just, just to kill. That's, that's a picture of Satan. So, this Antichrist. Satan will be connected to Babylon. He's connected to a statue that looks like a already in Revelation. Let's read Revelation. Okay. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Doesn't say it. He is a leopard. He says he is like a leopard. Okay. Now, is he like a leopard in looks, or is he like a leopard in how he acts? I don't. I would say you're probably maybe a little both, but don't get hung up on one of them. Okay. And his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. 
and I saw one of the heads, as it were, wounded to death, and it and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. So Satan's going to be here. They're going to be worshipping Satan, and they're going to be worshipping his man, the beast here. And who's the beast? For you prophetical people, the Antichrist. He's called a beast, which gave power to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given to him a mouth, making great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Okay, last half of the trip. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and to them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Am I glad we're going to Nine. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He, he that leadeth into captivity, again, you catch that? See the same phrases. Shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. And here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. This is the false prophet. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exercised before him causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed and he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man and he seeth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast so they're going to make a image to the beast what does that mean? It doesn't say they're going to make a statue. It doesn't say it's going to be of. It says the words specifically say, and we'll have to study this out, that they should make an image to the beast. Okay, we'll keep going. Which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many who would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So here's wisdom. Let him that hath, have, hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and this number is six, three score, and six. The Living Bible takes three, the six, six, six out. What does it have, Carrie? Well, mine used to say six, one, six. It said six, one, six. Why would they? They don't want you to connect the dots. You had better keep a King James to connect the dots. Because it is precise. It is accurate. Yes? Okay, verse 4. It says that the dragon, and they worship the dragon, which is Satan, Mm -hmm. which gave power unto the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. Okay. Okay. So, there's going to be an image of this beast. Okay, so we we have Satan, we have the 
Antichrist, we have the false prophet, and all of a sudden we're going to have an image to the beast. Okay? So, is this beast going to look like these weird-looking animals in appearance, or is this beast going to have the characteristics of these weird animals? Good question. I I think maybe a little bit of both, but we get hung up on, well, the beast, the Antichrist, is going to look like an animal, like a bird and a bear and like that, or is that just the characteristics and the nationalities that make him up? I'm going to say, did Satan look like a snake in the Garden of Eden? Maybe I opened up another can of worms. And when Satan talked to Eve in the garden, did he look like a serpent? Did he look like a snake? No. Isn't the uh, the, the image? Isn't there like uh, Daniel in, in the book of Daniel? Isn't there a description? There's a there's a colossal man. Right. Okay. But here it says he's going to look like the beast. And the beast looks like this in verse 13. It says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. It doesn't say he looks like a leopard. It says he's like unto a leopard. And then he says, um, and he's going to have different heads. And it says, uh, uh, so we get stuck in our mind that well, when the Antichrist shows up, he's going to look like this freakish beast. No, he's going to look like Characteristics. Okay. So, on November the 9th, in front of the United Nations building in New York. Have you guys seen a picture of that statue? He looks like he is a cross between a jaguar and an eagle. So it's a wicked looking cat type with wings. Okay. Okay. So everybody, nobody's running out of time. Right? So you have that. Okay. So, a lot of people go, that's the beast. That That's him. And so we're getting If you, if you haven't seen that, that is in New York City right now in front of the United Nations building. Have you seen that? You've got it. Okay, so everybody, everybody has it. So... A lot of people say, oh, see, that's the, that's, that's the picture of the beast. Well, I want to tell you that's the characteristics. And I'm not saying it doesn't have ties, but that, that's it. That, it's connected. Okay. And so, um, this, this statue, 
It's in front of the United Nations building in New York City, and it's called the Guardian for International Peace and Security. I don't know about you, but after looking at that, (laughs) after looking at that picture, I don't feel real secure, do you? Does that make you feel peace? Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? When I look at that picture, it creeps me out. And so, there, there is going to be an image of the beast. The beast will have those characteristics. But I personally do not believe that the beast will actually look like that. Or, or that will be the statue that they'll make alive. But they, that Maybe basically... Maybe maybe that'll be the logo of the guy. I don't know. Maybe he's got a logo of that. But when it comes right down to it, that won't be the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be a man that has these characteristics. Okay. I had to wrestle with that because I'm like, okay, is he actually going to look like that? Is he actually going to have an image, a statue that looks like that? And I would say it's probably going to be more like the cloth. And the image of that man will look like that man, but the characteristics will be of that statue. So, i got to wrap things up. So, all that in this passage, the he in that verse. So, there's destruction is coming, and then the reason for destruction, and I'm not just going to stop here. Uh, next week we'll get into that. Um, the reason for the destruction. And we already know, but we're going to nail it down. Because on the back of your sheet, we've got Solomon, we've got Jeroboam, we've got Rehoboam, and we've got Jeroboam. And so, these are the reasons. These these kings have a, a direct result on why God came in and destroyed the kingdom. And the first one was Solomon. He sit there and he go, wait a minute. Solomon was a good guy. What do you mean? We'll go back and look at it next week. Because Solomon messed up. Solomon messed up. And, uh, even though he was David's son, and, and even though he was the, what was his name to fame? Solomon. He was supposed to have been the wisest man that ever lived. And yet, he disobeyed God. And God took the kingdom from him. Because he disobeyed. We don't think about that, but we'll go back. I'll, I'll show you. I'll open up my book and actually show you where it happens next week. Okay. Any questions for today? Now that I've got your attention. <laughs> so, I mean, when you see things like this pop up, and they are popping up more and more, quicker and quicker, we are, we are getting close. When we see statues that have the characteristics of the Antichrist in, in our own country... And you know who gave that statue to our country? Mexico. Which is weird. Why would Mexico give the United Nations a statue that looked like that and say it's for world peace and security? Are they? Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Things are changing rapidly. So let's go ahead and pray. And then, Father in heaven, we thank you for the depth 
of your word, Lord. So, uh, Father, I just pray that as we study your word, that you would guide us, you direct us into the truth that that it is. Help us not to have preconceived uh, ideas or our own ideas. Help us to see the truth in your word and learn it. And then apply it in our life, Lord, that we could be the person that you want us to be. So, Lord, help us not just to know the, the deep things of the Bible. Help us to know the truth in your Bible that you want us to know about so that we can be a witness for you. So I pray for that this week. Pray for all the people on our list, on our whiteboard, and the people that we're praying for. We thank you for the answered prayers you've given us. And we, we thank you for the answered prayers that you're going to be giving us coming up. So we ask that in your son's name. Amen.